Amen. You may be seated. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Coastal. I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, great to have you with us today. One year, Michael. One year. So much to learn, young Padawan. So much to learn. By the way, does anybody know what the uh, one-year anniversary gift is? What is it? Paper. Basically means you give her cash. That's all that means. You give your wife cash for putting up with Michael and you hairy beast for one. <laughs> for those of you who were here last week. Anyway, if not, pick up our uh, CD or uh, download our app and you can learn a little bit more about Michael's personal life. <laughs> anyway, um, hey, since it's the Sunday after vacation Bible school and we have had the joy and the privilege um, to spend a couple hours each night with many of your children, today I just want to take some real focused time and talk about the benefits of spanking. Now, <laughs> So, no, I'm just joking, just joking. Your kids were great. No, they really were. Um, your kids really were awesome this past week. Um, we had a we had a phenomenal vacation Bible school. Honestly, probably one of the more just, uh, I don't know, everything just went so smooth and, uh, you know, no real big problems or issues. Not that we normally have those, but um, it just, it was just a great week and a great theme and, uh, man, uh, the songs, everything, uh, which really speaks uh, to our awesome volunteers. We have, raise your hand if you volunteered here this past week, BBS, anybody? Man, we got a bunch, didn't we? Thank you guys, y'all uh, did great. You can clap for our volunteers, clap for them. Uh, they did an awesome job. No, we are, we are in week two. Um, of this series called Summer Reading. We're not going to talk about uh, spanking today. Um, come to me later. We'll talk about that personally. Um, no, but uh, each week during the series called Summer Reading, uh, what we've been doing is just uh, using a different book uh, that I say, hey, this is a great book. It's worth reading because here at Coastal, we understand that uh, leaders are what? Readers, right? If you're going to take an investment in, in life and grow in different areas, you need to read. And um, so, but basically, we're just using these books, though, you know, kind of as a hook or a springboard then to talk about spiritual truth or maybe the a specific uh, information that's raised in the book or maybe just kind of uh, in a broad way, uh, maybe a subject that's brought up in that book. Well, today's book this week um, uh, is a great book. It's called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And we specifically stuck this book uh, today, um, the week after Vacation Bible School, so we could talk about uh, relationships. Um, this book has become a relationship uh, classic. Uh, it is a New York Times bestseller, sold over uh, 10 million copies. Raise your hand if you've either read the book or you have some sort of understanding of the concept of love languages. Anybody? Okay, a bunch of people. That's kind of what I thought. We've actually uh, used the book several times here at Coastal uh, for a life group. Um, but uh, the premise of the book is that everybody basically has a natural emotional love language, a way in which you communicate love and the way in which you receive love. And uh, Gary Chapman believes that there's five. Uh, here they are, the uh, words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts. How many of you know that's your love language? Give me, give me some gifts. No. Um, quality time. And then number five, physical touch. And all the guys here are going, yeah, that's my love language. Why do I need to read the book? Physical touch. There we go. Okay, so, uh, but the truth is, seldom do husband and wife have the same love language. 
Uh, now, we tend to speak our primary love language, and then we get frustrated when our spouse doesn't understand, you know, what we're communicating. And, you know, we're expressing our love, but it doesn't come through to them because to them, we might as well be speaking a foreign language. And so that's kind of the idea of the book. Uh, it's a great read. Uh, some of the, uh, you know, one of the, so he basically says one of the keys to lasting, loving relationships then is just knowing and speaking the right love language to the people in your life. Uh, so I would encourage you to pick up the book. It's an $8 investment in your relationship. And it, it is a lot of fun uh, to learn and discover each other's love language. He even has um, some resources for discovering your child's love language. Now, since it is the Sunday after VBS, uh, I did want to use this opportunity and, and this particular book just to talk about having a healthy family. You know, I really believe that one of the, the, the common core, you know, the thing that kind of, one of the things that kind of locks us together as, you know, as just humanity is that we all have this desire for a healthy, loving, stable uh, marriage, family relationships. You know, again, it really doesn't matter, you know, what part of the world you're from, uh, whether, you know, what political spectrum, you, you know, side of the spectrum you fall on. If you're, it really doesn't even matter if you're a, a follower of Jesus or you're not a follower of Jesus. I really believe that everybody wants a great family. But here's what I have discovered. Uh, in 25 years as the pastor of this church and you know, marrying a lot of people and counseling a lot of people, having that loving, healthy family is a rare find. Um, it's not very common. You know, if, if you have a loving, healthy relationship, thank the Lord, because it's not common. You're, you are not the norm. You are a whack job, okay? Um, well, instead of just complaining about it, you know, instead of me just standing up here and raking the culture over the coals and just giving you negative statistic after statistic to prove my point, let's do something about it. You know, let, let, let's show the world that there is a different way. And uh, very simply today, uh, you know, there's nothing magical about today's message. Uh, I just want to put the, uh, the word family in an acrostic of all things, and just give you some characteristics of a healthy family. Now, all of these elements that I'm going to talk about today really are just markers, if you will, of a healthy relationship. So whether you're married or single or have children or don't have children, they really apply to all of us. And I, I think if you'll listen, I think you'll hear the different love languages loud and clear as they come through. Now, let's begin. The letter F in the word family doesn't stand for faith. Uh, it stands for fun, believe it or not. Fun. I, I believe that healthy families have fun. Now, I'm not saying, mom and dad, that you need to be a stand-up comic um, in your house. But I am talking about a home where fun and laughter is the norm. The family ought to be a place to play. Uh, it is a format for fun. And uh, it, it's missing. It's missing in a lot of families today. You know, I think we ought to talk about fun in the church. And yet, you know, specifically as Christians, we ought to be modeling fun to the world. And, and yet, for so many people, when they think about Christians, 
when they think about church, the last word that comes to mind is fun, right? I mean, typically, what is the first word that comes to mind when people think about church or people think about Christians? What is it? Well, there's a bunch of words, but one is boring. I mean, that is. In fact, you know, one of the goals every year for us for Vacation Bible School is that our children would walk out of here thinking that church is fun. You know, church is where they want to be. Church is where they want to go because it's fun. Folks, it's good to have fun. It's good to laugh. It's biblical too, by the way. Proverbs 17.22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Healthy families have fun. But fun doesn't just happen. You got to help it happen. Help it. You got to make it happen. Parents, you got to teach your kids how to have fun. You got to model that for them. Teach them how to have fun, and this is important, without having to buy stuff. You know, so many people today say that there is a problem with the younger generation. There's a problem with teenagers today. They have nothing to do. They have no place to go. That is a myth. That's a myth. Think about it. There's more stuff to do for kids today in Charleston and today in our world than, than, we've, than you, you and I have ever dreamed of. But the lesson that families need to learn today is that you don't have to buy fun. You know, we, we got to teach and model to our kids how to have fun, how to make fun, or they're going to keep searching after that next fun fix. Now, let me give you some ideas. Throughout this message, in each one of these letters, I'm going to give you some ideas. They're not on your outline. You just might want to jot some of these down. Here's some ideas. First of all, if you want to have fun in your family, slow down. Slow your family life down. Fun is usually the first thing to go in a busy schedule. How many times have you said this? You know, I'd love to do that, but we're just too busy. So slow down. And if you're going to do that, second idea, put it on the calendar. Schedule some fun time. You know, you've heard the old saying, the family that prays together stays together. There's some truth to that. You know, but I would add the family that prays together and plays together. I mean, I've been in so many homes where the basic problem is, mom and dad, you need to lighten up a little bit. You know, have some fun. You have forgotten how to laugh. And, you know, turn to the person next to you, if it's your spouse, and go, you're funny. Go ahead and do that right now. You are funny. You know, you guys are. You're hilarious, you know. And it starts with you. It starts with parents. you got to lighten up and have fun with your spouse. Now, how do you do that? Let's get real, real practical, okay? How, how many times do I need to say this next statement? Here it is. Ready? Real practical. Write this down. Date each other again. Have a date night. I cannot count the number of times I've stood up here and said that over 25 years. And I'm going to keep saying it until what? You start doing it. Get a babysitter and go out and date your spouse. Laugh and play. 
Do not use that excuse. Pastor Chris, we can't afford a babysitter. Find another family that can't afford a babysitter, and you trade off with them. Or you bring them to my house, and I'll take care of them, okay? I, I made that promise before, and I'll make it again. I'll learn them a few things, but believe me, you come over there. I'll whip them into shape. Um, but one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and I'm going to make sure that I obey this, is Ecclesiastes 9.9. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. Proverbs 5.18. Be happy with your wife and find your joy with the girl you marry. Husbands, wives, shame on you. If it's been more than a month since the two of you have gone out together without your children. You know, I don't say that very often, but I mean it. Shame on you. And the fact is, for many of your spouses, that is their primary love language. Quality time. Repent and enjoy life with your spouse whom you love. Be happy with your wife. Be happy with your husband and find joy with the girl. Find joy with the man that you marry. It will spill over into your children's lives. Here's another idea. Write this down. Um, have a family date. Have a family date. You know, why not pick, you know, one uh, night or day, at least maybe like once a month, you know, or once every other month. It's a family date. And then get your kids involved in this and allow them to choose and plan what's going to happen on that family night. And maybe they can take turns within reason, okay? Now, in fact, you can even make it a game in your family. Who can have, you know, the most fun spending the least amount of money? And I guarantee you, they will have just as much fun planning and preparing as the actual event. And for some of your children, you'll be speaking their love language. Quality time. Now, I, I want to close this by saying, by saying this. If you don't have fun with your kids now, when they're young, when they're little, when they're growing up, do not be surprised that when they do grow up, they don't want to come back and visit. Because children want to be where the fun is. Guys, your kids are a gift from God. And they are only going to be here for a short season. There are always other days to do other projects. You only have your kids with you for a very short time. So start having fun. The letter A stands for attention. Attention. Healthy families give attention to one another. Uh, here's what I mean. Uh, Philippians 2, 3 through 4, it says, When you do things, don't let selfishness or pride be your guide. Instead, be humble. Give more honor or attention to others than to yourselves. Do not be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. Now that right there is a weakness for most of us. Do you know why? Because at our core, left to ourselves, we are selfish. We put our needs ahead of others' needs. Let me give you three practical words to show focused attention to the people in your life that you love. They all start with the letter H. Here we go. Uh, the first word is hear. Hear. Intentionally listen to the people in your family. Don't pass judgment. Don't try to solve the problem. Just listen. Remove all the distractions. Close the laptop. Turn off the TV. Get away from everything. 
and just listen? How about allow your spouse to finish their thought without you giving your opinion or cutting them off? Parents, value your teenager's world. Now, you, might not, you don't have to agree with everything in their world, but you can value them and value their world by just listening, just hearing them out. Second word starts with an H, hug. Hug, give them appropriate physical touch. That is another one of the five love languages, physical touch. Parents, do you hug your kids every day? Parents, let me let you in on something. If your kids do not get the physical affirmation that they need from you growing up in a healthy way, they will seek it out in an unhealthy way in the boys and the girls that they date. I guarantee it. And while I'm on the subject, husbands, wives, what kind of affection do your children see you giving to each other in your home? Do they see it at all? Do they see it at all? You say, well, but that's not my love language. I'm not used to being very expressive. But it's their love language. And then the final H word of this uh, giving attention is help. Help, serve one another. This is another love language, acts of service. You know what I see in far too many homes today? Uh, Good old-fashioned selfishness. You get your time, I get mine. That's your money, this is mine. You have that job, this is my job. I did this, you better do that. You know what that's called? That's called keeping score. And that's why so many of you are so tired and so worn out and your family life is a mess because you're not a family, you're not a team, you're just little silos on, on an island, you're just checking into a hotel. Let me give you another option, God's alternative, serve one another. Serve one another. Marriage, in fact, is supposed to be like a serving contest. Husband and wife daily discovering each other's needs and then doing whatever it takes to meet them. And men, let me be frank with you today. The Bible teaches that starts with you. You be a real man. You be God's man. A man of character, a man of strength and integrity. And you serve your wife and your children. Are you the head of your house? Sure, but the Bible says as Jesus is the head of the church and gave up his what for her? His life. You see, a real man is a man who loves Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior, but then takes responsibility for his home, not as a dictator, not as my way or the highway, but as a servant leader. And as he serves and loves and meets his wife's needs, she responds to his loving leadership with admiration and respect. And it is a beautiful, beautiful circle of love. And when we deviate from that plan, from God's plan, instead of a beautiful circle of love, it becomes this vicious cycle of pain and frustration. And many of you find yourselves right there today. Listen, be spiritually mature to say enough is enough. Today is the day I love. Today is the day I serve, regardless of how I feel, Regardless of how they respond, I choose to love.
the letter M. In the word family, it stands for ministry. Ministry. Did you know that God meant for your family to be a launch pad for ministry? You may never have thought about your family being a ministry team together. But the Bible says that if you're a Christian, you're a minister. You're, you're a servant. Nothing, and nothing will unify your family. Nothing will bring your family together and bring you more joy in your relationships than understanding that and serving God together. Whether it's you, you and your spouse, you, you, you and your, your kids. A great example of that is 1 Corinthians 16, 15. Listen to this. Stephanus and his family were the first to become Christians in Greece. Now listen to this. And they are spending their lives, what? In helping and serving Christians everywhere. Man, what a, what a great goal. What a great description. You know, here is a ministry team, a family. And to see our family that way, that we're a launch pad for the kingdom of God, uh, serving and helping. You know, there are families in our church who get that, who absolutely get that. There are examples of this. Their family is a team. You know, they serve the Lord together. They were here this past week in vacation Bible school together. And it's as though they look at everything they do. They're giving, you know, they're inviting other people. They're reaching out. They're serving as a team because they talk about it. They pray about it. They set goals together. They give together. Their entire family comes together, husbands and wives, working, serving the Lord together in a common purpose. And I'm telling you, the unity and the growth that that brings a marriage and a family is incredible. The letter I in the word family, it stands for inspire. Healthy families inspire through encouragement. Uh, Gary Chapman would call this love language uh, words of affirmation. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. That's what encouragement does. It lifts. It builds. Uh, now, again, I realize that some of you are here today, and uh, you would say, Pastor Chris, but you know, I, I have a tough time with this. It's another one of these love languages. You know, I'm just not. You know, I, I didn't grow up in an environment where people were very expressive. You know, either verbally, physically. And uh, nobody really ever encouraged me. Nobody really loved me that way. And so today, as a parent, even as a spouse, I, fi I find this difficult. Listen to me. With all the grace and mercy that I can muster today, hear this loud and clear. You have got to get to the point where you realize that their need for verbal affirmation is greater than your difficulty in expressing it and giving it. You've got to get to that point where you understand that that's what real love is. Real love is choosing to do something that, may, that might be difficult for you, but is beneficial for somebody else. And their need in receiving it is greater than whatever difficulty you've got, got with it. Because there are people in your life who are literally dying for some encouragement from you. You know, be liberal with your praise. Let, let me give you some ideas. Here's some ideas, some practical suggestions. Uh, for being, uh, for giving verbal affirmation. Uh, the first suggestion is just catch people doing good things. Just catch the people in your life, you know, doing the right thing. I know some of you are thinking, Pastor Chris, that would take forever. You know, they're they're so terrible in my family. Nobody ever. No, come on. I mean, seriously, 
open your eyes, open your heart, and uh, catch people doing good things and let them know, let them know it. You know, be on the lookout for it. You know, every Monday morning uh, at staff meeting here at Coastal, uh, we have a service evaluation time where we actually evaluate everything that happens here on Sunday morning. The first part of that meeting is what went right. And you know, our, our primary job is just to share everything that we saw that was positive today. Everything that went well. And typically, I, I even if I don't put it on my phone, I carry a little sheet of paper in my pocket and, and uh, a little pen. And, and, I, and, and I just jot down little notes to try to catch people doing something good. And we talk about it. We share it. And, of course, the second part of the meeting is what? What went wrong. Okay. And uh, that's basically just Michael, Michael. Michael. No, anyway, no. Just, no, he does, he does great. He's awesome. Um, but catch people doing something good. And let them know it. A second idea, and this is important, weigh your words. Understand the weight that your words carry. You know, in the book of James, he reminds us that your tongue, our tongue is a very overall, comparatively, a very small part of our body. And yet, it, it has so much power. It's like a small spark that can start a huge fire. Words hurt, don't they? You know, some of you are here today as an adult. And uh, l- let me describe you for a second. You ready? Here it goes. You won't try new things. You have a hard time opening up yourself uh, to other people uh, to fail. You won't love people completely. You hold back. And you can't accept love from others very well. Typically over the years, you've called yourself uh, shy, introverted. You know, you make excuses and say, well, this, that's just, this is just part of who I am. This is just part of my personality. However, if the truth were known, for some of you, you were hurt very deeply by some painful words. And here you are as an adult, and yet 10 years ago, 20, 30 years ago, the wounds that someone left from the words that they spoke to you are still very fresh. And you can, you can recall them like they spoke them today. Proverbs twelve eighteen says, Reckless words pierce like a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings what? Healing. Be careful what you say. Weigh your words. Here's another idea. Uh, write it down. Send letters. Write a, a handwritten, personalized note and send it to someone. Does anybody remember what those are? Personal notes that you actually wrote yourself on a piece of paper with a pen. Um, and send it to someone. Um, I I keep my encouraging letters that I get. I do. I have a file in my office, in my desk, a little area where I keep a bunch of cards and notes that I've gotten over the years because because I need them. You know what? Your wife needs that. Your husband needs that. Your children need that. Now, not all the time, but there, there's just something. Uh, special. I mean, kids love to get mail. Man, you want to just elevate the, the, the value that your child feels, send them a handwritten note from mom or dad. By the way, another idea, 
um, is to encourage your loved ones uh, in front of other people. You know, compliment them in a crowd. Uh, praise them in front of their friends. Uh, by the way, that's, that's the only reason really why uh, women like getting flowers at the workplace, so they can rub their noses, the, the, uh, the work, their coworkers in it, right? I mean, it's got nothing to do with the, the flowers. It's about the jealousy of other women in the, in the workplace. But, um, but praise them in front of people. By the way, let me say the opposite, though. Don't you ever dare be critical of your spouse in front of other people. Don't do that. The L in the word family stands for love. Uh, but let me, uh, let me take a little spin on this, this word love. Love without condition. Love without condition. You know, the root of most parent-child relationships is probably right here. Kids, some children perceive that their parents' love is very conditional. That my parents only love me when. That my parents love me if. If I get good grades. If I do good things. When the parents love, if you were to ask the parent, they would say, no, 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 of course not. My love is unconditional. But again, talking about love language, the way it's being communicated is that it's very conditional. Or a better word might be contractual. Contractual love says, okay, well, you fulfill the end of your agreement, and then I will reward you with my love. Now, early on in a relationship, especially early on with children, that seems really easy. Contractual love. A lot easier than unconditional love. Because it seems like it gives you as the parent the power. You know, because I can get them to do what I want them to do if I hold out, you know, a carrot or I withhold my love from them. But then what happens is that when your kids get a little bit older, they become performers. And with, with, without question, performers always become people pleasers. And people pleasers usually lose their identity, their morality, and their values trying to please other people. And you started it. Because you had a very conditional contractual love with them. Think about how you're communicating love to your kids and your spouse. Because contractual love is not biblical love. John 13, Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Jesus said it. He modeled it. And basically what he's saying here is that my love is not based on who you are and what you do. It's based on who I am and what, I, what I've done for you. Lastly, the letter Y stands for yield. Healthy families ultimately are yielded to God. Another word for yield might mean surrender. Healthy families surrender their families to God. Healthy marriages submit their, marriages, their marriage to God. It also means to relinquish control, to submit. Submit your relationship to God and say, we are going to have a God-centered marriage, a God-centered family. It's not me-centered. It's not child-centered. It's not career-centered. It's God-centered. Look at this passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them 
when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. What's he saying? Parents, he's saying that the job of spiritual input, it's your job. In those, you know, small, momentary, teachable moments of life, at the dinner table, in the car, you know, when they get up, when they, you know, when they go down, you're just talking about God, looking for those moments to talk about spiritual things. Our job as a church is simply to reinforce that. And, and you are teaching, by the way. You know that, right? You are never off the clock. You know, some people think that the church is some sort of, you know, like child laundry service. Like you drop your kids off, you know, at birth and, and you say, okay, here you go, Coastal, here's my kid. You know, educate them, train them, teach them, save them, baptize them, sanctify them, and I'll pick them up when they're like 24, okay? You know, no. It's not our job. That's your job. And if I want my children to be godly, then it's not just about me teaching them. It starts with me and my life. It starts with you. You've got to live that out. You know, if you want your child to grow up communicating with God, having a personal relationship with God, and to see that God loves them, and he wants to hear from them, and have this personal, you know, daily time with them, then guess what, guys? you got to model that. They got to see that evident in your life. You know, if you want your kids to, to, to have a roadmap for life in, in the Word of God and to experience and, and, and live out the Word of God as a, as, as a love letter written from God to them and to see it as vital to their very existence, they got to see it in your life. They got to see it as vital to your existence. Their spiritual training starts with how you and I live our lives. You know, my challenge as a pastor here is that we would call our church and our families to be yielded to God, submitted to God. Look at this passage where Joshua calls the leaders of Israel together, and he says this. He says, but if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Now, in fact, you might even circle the word choose there, because basically what he's saying is, and the same is true today, hey, you don't have to if you don't want to. It really is your choice. If you think there's a better way to raise your family and raise your children, then you go after that way. You choose whatever the world's telling you to go, where they're, where they're leading you. Go after that. You know, it's up to you. you got a choice. In fact, he lists some here for them. He says, hey, you can serve the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or it could be the gods of the Amorites in, the, in whose land you, you're living right now. He's saying you got options. You know, you don't have to choose to serve God. But then Joshua says this, but as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. I challenge you to make that same decision. You know, I gave you, you know, six markers of a healthy family. There, there, there are many, many more. You know, today I really just wanted to give you something that you could think about and put into practice. You know, you say, well, I want to make my family, I want to take my family serious. I want to take my marriage serious. I want, to, I want a great family. Okay, well, then just don't just think about it. Don't just think about these things, but put it into practice. Start today. 
I love my wife. I love my children. But unless you discover God's principles and put them into practice, all of our natural tendency, all of us, it's to drift and become self-centered. Now, some of you might look at these, you know, these six markers and you might get overwhelmed and go, man, what do I do? Where do I start? Let me tell you where you start. You start at the end with the letter Y. Submit yourself to God. You know, some of you are here and you've never done that before. You've been coming to church for a while. Maybe you even grew up in church. You know the stories. You've been kicking the tires. But you have yet to relinquish control of your life. You have yet to submit your life to God and say, God, I am yours. All of me. Take my life. That's the starting place. You know, don't, you can't ask for God's blessing on your family until you've given him your life. That's where you start. Maybe you've done that, but you've never yet done that with your family, with your marriage. Do that today. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you for Vacation Bible School this week. I thank you for all the kids and children that ran around this campus this week and sang and, and listened and learned and played and laughed. I pray they did have fun. I pray in midst of all the fun and the laughter and the joy that they saw Jesus lifted up high and clear. Father, I, I know that there are people here today who have been coming, maybe coming for a while, maybe coming just for a short time, and they feel in their heart they have just blown it. It's too late. They're too far gone. There's no hope. Father, I pray today that you would just wrap your arms of love and forgiveness around them, that they would open up their life and their heart to you, and they would know they don't have to, you know, clean themselves up before coming home. They don't have to get right before they come here or come to you. It is simply a matter of taking that, that one initial step, that simple choice of deciding today to come home. Listen, that's where it begins. Just Open up your heart right now. There, you know, there really is no such thing as a, a sinner's prayer in the Bible. Really, really what it's all about is just expressing your heart to God. Pour out your heart to Him right now and say, Dear Heavenly Father, today I want to come home. I have blown it. I have rebelled. I have walked away from you. I've pushed you out of my life. But today I humbly come admitting that I need you. I believe, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that you sent him to this earth as a payment for my rebellion, my sin. My sin put him on that cross. And your love and your power were too great for death and sin. And he rose from the dead and he is alive. And I believe that today. I put all my faith all my trust in Him and Him alone. I ask you to forgive me. I declare that Jesus is my Savior and my Lord.
And for the rest of my days, I simply want to follow him. Thank you. Thank you, God, for making me clean and whole and brand new. Thank you, Father. Father, today I pray for the families and the marriages represented in this room today. I pray for all the, the kids and their families that were here this past week. Father, it's difficult in this world, there's no doubt. This world needs a new way, a new path. His name is Jesus, and I just pray as a church we would lift him up high and clear so that people could come home and follow him. We love you, Father. We pray this today in the name of Jesus. Amen.